Welcome to the Midnight Train to Sleepy Hills. We hope you enjoy your ride, and we ask all guests to be aware of your surroundings, because there is danger in Sleepy Hills. Additionally, we will be releasing new episodes weekly, so stay tuned, and please like and subscribe. Now, back to our latest installment. So we have a 90-year-old woman. Her pulse seems to be good, and she does still appear to be unconscious. Yes, yes, Chief. We'll be at the hospital in 10 minutes. And prepare the ICU. We do have a code blue. I've administered 8 cc's of our tissue plasmogenic activator due to CVA-like symptoms. The patient was unable to form a complete smile, and her eyes were dilated. The young man took his thumb off the radio transmitter. Looking through the pixel glass window and seeing the top of the older woman's gray hair and a breathing tube hanging from the side of the gurney. Sitting next to the man watching through the pixel glass window was the driver. John, that lady could be my great-grandmother. It's amazing how long some people can live for, remarked John, without taking his eyes off the road. Billy O'Brien stared in complete disbelief as he watched Lucy get taken away in the ambulance. He was flustered because every time he tried to get into the ambulance with Lucy, the paramedics would shoo him away. Hey, cat, get out of there. This is off limits, one of them said. To Billy's luck, he recognized the ambulance and what hospital it would go to. The reason he was so familiar with it was because he had taken multiple trips. The only way he could prevent himself from noticing how much he licked himself, the memory was an unforgettable but tragic in another way. It was eight years ago, and him and Bourbon Bob were in the wood camping out. He remembered how Bob got some moonshine, and the two of them had finished off that porcelain jar. At first, it was horrible, this stuff. Burned the minute it touched his mouth. He thought Bob had just put rubbing alcohol in it. But as the porcelain jar got lighter, the taste of apple cider appeared in that violent but fiery ocean. Bob and him were across from each other between a fire pit. The whole world felt so slow and dis distant. Bob was waving his hands above his head. That was a good sign that he was blind drunk. The loud laughter was also a good giveaway. Okay, so I was begging for money on 3rd Street. Then I hear some lady scream. It was near City Hall. Was that the uh, eight-year-old girl, I mused? Sleepy Hill Slasher. Yup, 
said Bob, as he threw back another shot from the moonshine. The look Bob made when he realized his mouth was on fire. It was also got a good laugh from Billy. Well, what did you do when you, you heard the scream? I would do what any good person would do and snoop around, Bob laughed. I'm sure everyone appreciated your presence. Hey, hey, for your information, I think I'm one of the foremost scholars in listening. I minored in giving ugly stares, too. Did you see the body? Billy felt a burning substance from his throat to his stomach. Well, if you didn't interrupt me, I can get to that part. A cleaning lady who was the size of a refrigerator was standing over the dead girl, bawling her eyes out. The minute she saw me, she freaked out, but I assured her that I only wanted to help. The little girl looked bloated laying there, but one thing I noticed was a single red rose laying on top of her chest, and that she was completely barefoot. If it wasn't for the cleaning lady screaming, I would have totally thought the little girl was taking a nap outside. The only blood I could spot was a red line across her neck. Well, Bob, how did you help the cleaning lady? Oh, we got a big white sheet to cover the body. By the time it was covered, the police had shown up. Bob thought to himself, a single red rose and a pair of missing shoes. Billy had never intended, intended college, but he had heard that serial killers kept something that belonged from their victims, like a trophy. The idea that some psychopath with a house full of little kids' shoes made him sick to his stomach. Bob bowed down as if he had just finished his final act on Broadway. I never heard about the missing shoes part from the news. Well, the news doesn't always get all the information. Besides, that Sleepy Hill Slash are still on the loose. Moreover, if they give all the details, you might start getting copycat killers. Billy couldn't argue, really, with any of the points Bob made. The sting was worse than the bite, as the room temperature liquid burned his insides and made him shiver. His body felt especially sluggish when he stood up, stumbling at every step he took. He finally made it behind the tree and unzipped his fly. Thank you, Will, said George, as he filled up the coffee cup that was previously empty. Gordon was starting to smile, and George could tell that maybe he wasn't a bird into society. Mmm, the best damn cup of coffee this town will ever hope to make, exclaimed George. To be fair, George, you mean the whole world, said Gordon, with a small smirk. George's right pocket vibrated violently. 
Over the years, George gradually started losing his hearing. And if he wasn't an expert at reading lips, he would be in serious trouble. He was actually gifted this tiny brick of a phone. The idea was his son because he was worried about me and Lucy. George was going to fight like hell before he was going to be sent to an old folks home. The compromise was as long as he had the phone. Hello? Who is this? Sleepy Hill Hospital. And a look of terror flashed across George's face. Yes, I understand, and I'll be there as soon as possible. A single tear came from George's eyes as he felt so small in this big world. What's wrong, Gordon said, still sitting in the same spot he found him in. Sleepy Hill Hospital just called me to say Lucy had a stroke in front of Sleepy Hill Power Systems. The doctor doesn't know if she'll make it as more tears began to flow from his eyes. Gordon stood over George. I've already seen two people I care about go. And I'm not going to wait and see my third. Let's go. As Gordon led the way. Billy sighed with relief as he zipped up his tight blue jeans. Staggering forward and around the tree, Bob was sitting on a tree stump, staring into the fire. Hey, Billy, I can't find my, my cane. Could you find it? Billy was going to tell him to go find him himself when the bottom of his right foot touched the cylindrical cane. Everything at that moment, he was looking into the golden, yellow-orange campfire in its glow. Then he saw the top of the tree lines with a painfully bright full moon. The tops of the trees appeared to be spikes heading from above. Darkness quickly ensued. Billy screamed before he opened his eyes as he felt like he was sitting on a muddy spot. But yet the pain persisted as he tried to move, but his legs did not respond. With his left hand, he checked his lower back and he felt the wooden trunk that led to him. Billy opened his mouth and screamed in horror. As he looked at his hand, he noticed the blood and he could feel the loss of sensation from his toes within a sock and a shoe. It felt numb, but he could still feel something like fabric being scraped on. In a very short time, that was the very last sensation 
he would ever feel from his feet again. Billy's body moved like a lightning bolt away from Sleepy Hill power system. Personally, he didn't see the point of going to this place. But he learned that speaking was a fool's errand. The looks that he got back were anything but encouraging. Lucy was probably the only person who he thought would understand him. The fact she would look for him and feed him. Lucy was someone he knew he could depend on. And his number one fear since becoming a cat was losing Lucy. As much as he complained how bad his life was to Lucy as a cat, she would smile down at him and listen and pet his head. At first, this only infuriated him, but the sensation of being petted clouded most of his thoughts of despair. There were some advantages of being a cat, and that was sheer speed, even during basic training. He never imagined he could move with this level of quickness. Running on the sidewalk, he started to feel his power, paws burn. As he made it to the medium where there was some grass, he gasped as his paws landed on the grass. The grass was wet and cooler, but this heat wave was something else. Strolling on the grass while recovering from the shock from the temperature change to his system, he found himself under a large tree and looking over sleepy hills when he spotted the large red cross. Sleepy Hill Hospital, he thought to himself. That's where Lucy is. There's also... This is also where... Bourbon Bob begs at too. He thought glumly as well. After that night, he didn't want anything to do with him. Him screaming while Bob just sat there. He could still remember seeing Bob's frozen expression there, looking at the campfire while he was being loaded into the ambulance. Never able to walk again, but things have changed since then, and although Billy acknowledges things would never be the same, his new life as a four-legged creature wasn't completely horrible. He could tell that his life would drastically slow down eventually. He looked at both intersections and traffic was bumper to bumper. This should make it a bit safer, right? The thought of this quickly changed when he heard the call horns. The pitch was so loud to him that he would just freeze in terror. Come on, Billy, he said to himself. You got this. Lucy needs your help in finding me. To Billy, there was less than a handful of people who would ever look for him. With some new renewed courage, Billy darted between two hot cars 
in a path of alleyways. Above those alleyways towered a large building with a blood red cross. Gordon was focused on navigating the traffic while George sat across from him. He was starting to chew on his fingernail. You do realize that is a terrible habit, Gordon said, as he darted his eyes back to the traffic. I don't care, Gordon. I'm so worried about Lucy. She means so much to me. We've been married for 70 years. Life is funny when you're young, you don't need anyone's help. But as you get older, a caring hand is worth more than gold. George smiled and turned away as he could make out the big red cross in the distance as he heard Gordon tapping on his steering wheel. Billy, on the other hand, was more than two blocks from the emergency room entrance. As he leapt from a dumpster over a fence, as he could see the entrance was a straight shot until he saw him. Bob was holding up a sign and a panic ensued in him. He had a bit more gray hair, but it was still him all the same. Billy tried to stay as far away from Bob as he could. To that point, he knocked over a dumpster. The sound felt deafening to him, and he froze up. His tiny heart was pounding like a jackhammer. Hey there, little fella. A feeling of shame showered over him, and he felt something graze him softly. When he opened his eyes, it was a cane, and it was the cane. He screamed at Bob while swiping his claws in his direction. While the startled look on Bob's face, he ran past him. His heart was throbbing so hard and he felt like the whole hospital was blurry and melting. It blurred less the closer he got to it. Hey, is... Isn't that you, uh, George II? He wandered towards the voice. And as his breathing slowly started to slow down, can you snag him for me, Gordon? I know Lucy would like to see him. No problem, said a voice he wasn't familiar with. He was relegated into another bag, albeit a tool bag, with much more room than Lucy's bag. Doctor, how is my wife doing? Ah, uh, yes, uh, Mr. Jones. Your, your wife is actually doing very well, and it appears to be recovering nicely. The, para uh, the paramedics administered some medication on site and further uh, 
techniques were used here and I'm fairly confident to say with some PT and some exercises done at home, I dare say that you will not be able to see any major issues. Now, she will need to uh, spend the night with us, though. But doctor, is, is she talking? Yes, Mr. Jones, and very clearly. Can we come in, Miss Jones? Sure, a weak voice responded. Your husband and his friends have come to visit you. Well, I will give you some privacy, but if you need me, tell the nurse's station. Thank you, doctor. I felt pressure coming from underneath me as the bag was unzipped. Billy's world was flooded with lights and images, but he could see Lucy's smiling face with tubes up her nose. We found your little buddy outside the hospital looking for you. I looked to Gordon shortly who began to focus on the television screen. George was kissing Lucy as he approached, even closer to her face as if it was a son. We all were so worried about you. And even George II said George, in a concerning tone, as he looked down to Lucy. Hey guys, it looks like the mayor is about to give his big speech. Billy sat on Lucy's lap now, not knowing what to do. The cane and what that thing meant to him was done to him as the eyes of Lucy looked forward I spoke not caring if I only received blank looks Lucy I need your help at that moment Lucy quickly looked down at me you said what Thank you everyone who's been listening to my very first podcast and this completes season one of our Sleepy Hill series. Season two will be coming out next year and I plan to launch this podcast on YouTube as well. If you would like to donate to improve the show, there's a link in the description of this episode to my GoFundMe. If you have enjoyed listening to this podcast, it would be much appreciated if you would like, subscribe, and share. Merry Christmas, everyone, and see you next year.